Open your Bible, please, to the book of John, chapter number 3, and I'm going to read a number of scriptures before we get there, but you'll be ready when we do arrive, John chapter 3, here in a few minutes. And so I'm not going to ask you to stand as I normally do. Well, I can because the scripture is going to be on the screen. Okay, so stand with me. We'll read them from the screen. And the subject today is the place of repentance. I told you last week I'm starting a series here preaching on the gospel. And so the idea today is what is the place of repentance when we talk about the gospel? And read with me from the screen. I have, let's see, five scriptures here and just fragments of them that gives you an insight into what the Bible says about repentance. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, repent and believe the gospel. Notice repentance is first, repent and believe, and you'll see that in every case. Acts 20, 21, repentance toward God, and faith, again, toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance followed by the gospel or um, followed by faith. Matthew 21, verse 32, when you had seen it, you repented not afterward that you might believe. See, repentance preceding faith. And Luke chapter 13, verse 3, Except you repent, said the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall all likewise perish. And then Acts 16, 30 and 31, but it doesn't have the word repent, but it's the gospel. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Thank you, and you may be seated. I read to you those samplings of scriptural text because I wanted you to just get a broad overview of what the Bible uh, says about the idea of repentance, because there's lots of confusion about the role of repentance in salvation. Over and over through the years as a pastor, I've had people come to me, and they were confused about it. In fact, many times I've noticed that people didn't have assurance of their salvation because they thought wrongly about the idea of repentance. So what is repentance? What does the Bible really say repentance is? Is repentance essential to your salvation? Or is it just sort of uh, something that's there that we just mention occasionally? Or is it absolutely essential? Why is it that in the Bible some passages speak about repentance, and as I've read to you, repent and believe? That was the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, the very first message ever preached. Repent and believe the gospel. But then we read the last verse there a while ago, and it doesn't even mention the word repentance. Why is it that the word repent never occurs in the gospel of John? You see, the book of John was written, it's the only book in the Bible that says to us the reason that it was written is that people would believe on Jesus and accept Him as their Savior. No other book emphasizes salvation like the book of John. And yet, interestingly, 
The word repent is not even found in the book of John. Even more interesting is the fact that it says believe, believe, believe 98 times in the gospel of John, but never uses the word repentance, yet it's the book that says the whole purpose of being written is that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So we began with what is repentance. I think the confusion comes because people improperly define the word repentance or repent, a faulty understanding of the word. And I might add very, very little preaching on repentance today. I know that you can go to church many places. You could attend for a year or maybe years. You might hear the word just superficially mentioned, but you're not going to ever really come to an understanding of it. It's just not talked about that much. And why? I cannot understand. I can't give you an explanation for that. The word repent, and write it down somewhere there on your program or in your Bible somewhere where you have a little space. But I don't want you to ever get mixed up on this. Let's clear the fog of confusion. The word repent simply means dictionary definition. It means to change your mind to change the mind. That's all it means. Here's where the confusion begins. And with many people, to repent, they, they think it has the idea of feeling sorry for your sins. It's not in the Word. Now, I know that if you genuinely repent, you're going to feel sorry for your sins at some point, or that sorrow for sin, I more, more accurately ought to say that sorrow for sin will bring you to repentance. But feeling sorry about your sins, regret and remorse about your past is not repentance. Some people think that to repent, a person has to weep, or they have to mourn, or in some Faith traditions, they have to do penance. They have to punish themselves or pay some sort of penalty for the sins that they have committed in the past. That's not in the Word. I leave the slide up there for a moment. Repent, it means to change your mind. To repent doesn't mean to reform. I think a lot of people have heard preaching that made them think, well, I've got to clean up my act or I, before I can get saved. That's not in the word repentance, as you see. Uh, many think it means that I've got to break with my bad habits. I've got to stop my sinning, or I can't get saved until then. It's not in the word. Repent means to change your mind. Now, in John chapter 3, where you have your Bible open, Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a rabbi. He is an esteemed member of the council, we find out later in the book of John. He is one of 70 of the most powerful men in the nation of Israel at that point in time. Jesus is talking to him. Nicodemus has Jesus visit him at night because he's wondering if Jesus isn't the fulfillment of prophecy and the Messiah. And Jesus said to him in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, an account that Nicodemus would be very familiar with because he would have been a, a, an expert on the Old Testament. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, 
even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I've circled the word as in my Bible, and I've circled the phrase even so, as and even so. As Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, Jesus illustrated then repentance here in his conversation with Nicodemus. And I want you now to turn way back in the Old Testament to the book of Numbers with me, Numbers chapter 21. And let's look a little deep, uh, more deeply at what Jesus was referring to. Numbers chapter 21 and verse 4 in your Bible. Numbers 21 and 4. Therefore, the people came to Moses and, uh, pardon me, I'm reading verse 7, verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people, the people of the nation of Israel, was much discouraged because of the way, the hardships that they were dealing with out there in the wilderness. Now, why were they dealing with hardships? Because they had sinned. They had already sinned. And the people spake against God, verse 5, and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness, they said to Moses. There's no bread. There's no water. And there was. God was providing it for them, but day by day. There's no bread. There's no water. And our soul loatheth, loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent judgment. He sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. People are dying. Therefore, the people came to Moses, and they said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent out of brass and put it on a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, he shall live. And so Moses made a serpent of brass. He put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, you know the story. It's fairly familiar if you're a regular churchgoer here, but perhaps you're not. And so the children of Israel are out in the wilderness, and they, the conditions are, are really harsh. And they have left Egypt down there where there was a lot of luxury, even for them as slaves. And they're complaining and they're griping against their conditions. And so they, they come to Moses and they say, why would you even lead us out here in this wilderness? And God acted. God was displeased. God was angry with those people. And he sent serpents among them, and the serpents began to bite them, and they began to die. It was an act of judgment for their sin of criticizing God himself. And so then the people came to Moses, and look in verse 7. They said, we've sinned. We have spoken against the Lord. Pray for us, if you will, Moses. And God said, okay, fashion a snake out of brass, build a pole, and put the snake up there 
in the air where everybody can see it. And you tell the people if they will listen to your word, have enough faith to obey what you're saying, and look to that serpent on that pole, that they will be healed of their snake bite. Incredible. Illogical. But it's what God told them to do. And so the people began to look there. Now, the serpent, the significance of that is the serpent is a symbol, a type of Jesus Christ lifted up upon the cross, who became sin for us, the serpent representative of sin. You know, sin came through the form of a serpent in the garden. Jesus Christ became sin. He took upon himself the sins of the entire world from the beginning of history to the last person. And he was lifted up on the cross. And when men and women look to him for their salvation, the Bible says they're saved. Here they were healed of a physical problem. And so notice this is a complete and perfect picture of salvation and repentance. The word repentance is not even used here. It's not necessary. But number one, they were convicted of sin. They realized they had offended God, and there was a penalty, and the penalty was being paid. People were dying. Number two, their sorrow then produced repentance, a change of mind. See, they had been critical. They'd been grumbling. They'd been angry at God. And what happens here? They change their mind. They say, whoa, we're wrong. God is judging us for this. We have got to change. And they change their mind, their whole frame of reference. They realized they had offended a holy God. And they said in verse 7, underline it in your Bible, we have sinned. Boy, that's where salvation always starts. When I'm talking to people trying to lead them to a saving knowledge of Christ, I spend more time talking to them about their sins and their condition than I do even giving them the gospel. Because once they really realize their true condition, then the gospel is a pretty easy pill to swallow, isn't it? But you got to get people lost, you see, before they can come to salvation. Now, they said, we've sinned. And they sorrowed. And it produced sorrow, produces repentance. Repentance is not sorrow, but there's sorrow. Their understanding of their wrongdoing and their sin produced a change of mind, repentance in their life. And they came to Moses and he said, look and live. And they looked to the serpent and their bodies were healed. They were saved, if you will. Now get this point. And I'm trying to eliminate confusion and not bring it about. But listen to me. Repentance did not save them. The fact that they understood they had displeased God and they were out of, they were separated from God by their sins. It was not their repentance that saved them. It was looking to the cross that saved them. It was faith in what Moses had told them, his words from God. From God. And they looked, and the Bible says they looked and they lived. Repentance didn't save them. They were saved by faith, but repentance prepared their hearts and brought them to the place of where that faith came in and they were saved. Does that make sense? 
That's a weak amen. I better go back and preach that point again. Huh? I hope that makes sense. Repentance prepares the heart. It's the key in the door that unlock, that opens the door that people then receive the gospel of Christ. Here's the reason I preach this, and it's a caution to define repentance as something that people must do before they can be saved is to inject works into salvation. To require people to go through steps to get saved is, is unhealthy. We better be cautious about that. And so we sing here in our invitation so often a wonderful hymn, Just As I Am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. Here, question. Does God really save people just as they are? Or do they have to reform? Do they have to change? Do they have to give up their sins and their bad habits? Or does God truly save people just as we are right now? I want to tell you on the authority of the Word of God, God saves people just like they are. If you had to wait for salvation until you had cut out all your bad habits and cleaned up your life, you'd never be saved. You don't even have the power to do that in so many cases. In fact, it is salvation that will give you the power to give up those things. Turning from your sin is the fruit of your salvation it is not the condition for your salvation. May I say that again? Turning from your sin is the result or the fruit of being saved. An unsaved person doesn't have the power to do that. And so he changes his mind, as did those people in the wilderness. He looks to the cross. The power of the gospel changes him inside, and God then gives him the power to walk in victory over his sins. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Romans 1, 16, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Listen to this. It is not of works. Don't add anything to the gospel of Christ is the gospel that saves. So what kind of change of mind are we talking about here? So repentance is to change your mind about anything that's keeping you from Christ. Whatever it is that stands between you and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the thing that you need to repent of. It might be an attitude. It might be the crowd of people you're running with. It might be thoughts that you're dealing with yourself or vain philosophies, unbelief. It may be books you're reading. It might be the kind of movies that you're watching. It might be belief systems that you grew up with and you never even thought anything about them. What is it that keeps you from fully trusting in Jesus Christ? What is it that keeps you from looking only to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the change of mind occurs in three specific areas. And years ago, we had a little evangelism program we used here. It was called Faith. And in it, there was an emphasis on repentance. And that little outline said, 
that repentance is a change of mind about our sin, about ourself, and about the Savior. Three points. A change of mind about sin, a change of mind about myself, and a change of mind about the Savior. What do we mean by that? Number one, repentance begins with a conviction of sin. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10. I won't have you turn there, but you may want to write this down. 2 Corinthians 7 10 says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Godly sorrow. We call that by a different name sometimes. We call it conviction of sin. And so you begin to read your Bible. You come to church or you're around some influence in your life, but you begin to be convicted of your sin. You're sorry for your sin, as were the people there in the wilderness. You're sorrow, you have sorrow for your sins. That's not repentance, but it will lead you to a change of mind. I'm going in the wrong direction here, and I need to change my mind, and so you repent. The reason that I emphasize that to you and want to make it very clear is repentance begins with conviction of sin. Most unsaved people have a pretty high opinion of themselves. Most of the time, if you ask people and you begin to get into a conversation about their relationship with the Lord, if they're not really versed and grounded in the Scripture, they're going to say something like this, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person, but I'm not perfect. I have my faults. I have my problems. I understand that, Pastor. But, but you know, and they begin to compare themselves, which the Bible says is not wise. And, well, yeah, everybody's a pretty good person if you want to pick somebody that's, that's worse off than you. If I'm going to say, you know, I'm a pretty good person compared to Charles Manson, that's not saying a whole lot, is it? I'm a pretty good fellow if you want to look over here to Hitler or somebody like that. Oh. Well, so we can always find somebody worse, can't we? And most people see themselves as a pretty good person. Once repentance comes in their heart, they see sin as God sees sin. They see sin as this heinous monster, evil, creeping upon them, putting its tentacles into them. They begin to see that Sin is the heinous monster. It's the terminal disease that's going to take them down, and they can do nothing about it. Here's the reason I think we have so many false professions today. I think we don't emphasize repentance so often. We just give people the positive side of the gospel. Do you believe that Jesus died? He was buried and he rose again? Yeah, I believe that. What the person means is I have this historical, intellectual belief that there was a man and he died. His name was Jesus. He was buried and he rose again. Yeah, I believe that. And they ascribe to an intellectual belief, but they have no intention of ever changing their mind about their sin. And so they make a profession of faith and get baptized and join a church or something, but they have no intention of the gospel ever penetrating their life and changing them. 
They haven't changed their mind about who they are and the problem that is taking them on the road to hell. You know, the devil believes and trembles, James chapter 2 and verse 19. Yeah, the devil knows that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. But the devil hasn't ever repented of his sin. He's never repented of his rebellion against God. He's never repented of the evil that he has led the world into. Psalm number 97 and verse 10 is a good verse for every Christian. It says this, you that love the Lord hate evil. If you love the Lord, you can't be passive and in neutral about evil. To trust in Christ is to have an attitude toward evil that, praise God, I'm saved from that. I'm saved from sin. Proverbs 8 and 13 says, it's the fear of the Lord to hate evil. I heard a sermon one time by a preacher called, The Christians Hate Life, and he preached on those two texts. If you love the Lord, you love, you hate evil. You can't say good Lord and good devil. You have to decide which is right and which is wrong, and you, repentance is turning to the Lord. And the inference is that you ha- would hate the evil. The fear of the Lord, the awesome respect that God deserves because of His character and His holiness and His magnificence, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And I fear that we have a generation of people today, yeah, 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 I believe in the historical facts. Christ died, He's buried, and rose again. Yeah, does that mean I'm saved? It does, but there's an inference there. There's an implication there that have you repented and changed your mind about your sin? Number two, have you changed your mind about yourself? A change of mind about self. What do I mean by that? The change of mind about self is there's nothing I can do to earn God's favor. I'm helpless. I cannot save myself. I can't add anything to the gospel because Christ said it's finished. I dare not take anything from the gospel because he said it was finished. It's perfect. I accept the gospel, and I know that my situation is helpless. I cannot save myself. The people here in the wilderness said to Moses, pray for me because I realize there's nothing I can do to save me. And then it's a change of mind about sin. It's a change of mind about self. It's a change of mind about the Savior. And so the repentance, the change of mind, always turns then from self and sin to a Savior. I change my mind about Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God, first of all. You've got to know who Jesus is. I'm afraid people pray a sinner's prayer, and they don't even know who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God, fully God, fully man, as I preached last week to you on Sunday evening. Jesus Christ is the unique Son of God, the only one like Him ever in all of history. 
the Creator. And He, through the miracle of the virgin birth, entered history and was born as a little baby, lived a perfect sinless life, and then died as the substitute for me and for you. He took our place. He bore our sins in His body, the Bible says, on the cross. And so I changed my mind about sin, and I turned from my sin. I changed my mind about myself. I can't contribute to my salvation with anything I can do. And I turn to the Savior. I look to the serpent on the pole. I look to the cross. That's why the cross is the heart of what we do. That's why we have the Lord's Supper tonight. And we will talk about the cross. And we'll celebrate the cross because it's the crux of the Christian faith. I'll baptize people tonight, and they'll stand beneath that cross up there in that pool of water. And in the likeness of his death, they will stand there, and then I will bury them in the likeness of his burial, and I'll bring them out of the water in the likeness of his resurrection. And they will have given a picture testimony to the whole world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The cross is the most precious thing there is to us as Christians. And so we turn to it. So what is repentance? It's a change of mind. What kind of a change of mind is it? It's a change of mind about anything that is keeping me from fully trusting in Jesus Christ. It's a turning to Christ with my whole being. And thirdly, is repentance essential to salvation? And the answer Absolutely, yes. Turn in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. And we have no less an authority on this than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And they were telling Him on this occasion about some accident that happened and a building fell down and a number of people were killed in the, a tragedy. And Jesus said to them in Luke 13 and 3, well, these are natural events. They happen. And except you repent, except you change your mind, you will all likewise perish. Except you repent. He says it again. He repeats it a verse or two later. Except you change your mind about me, you will all likewise perish. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, Paul is in Athens. He's on Mars Hill where all the philosophers, the great thinkers of that time in history gathered, and they argued about philosophy and ethics and religion and politics and so on. And the apostle Paul gets his opportunity to address them. What does he say? Because I've even heard pastors say, well, we don't need to talk about repentance anymore. But Paul didn't believe that. He thought repentance was essential. Acts 17 and 30, God commandeth all men everywhere. Well, that's pretty inclusive, isn't it? All men everywhere to repent. Now, I want you to turn one more time because you've got to get this. And you've got to go to Matthew chapter number 21 in your Bible. 
Matthew chapter 21. In this passage, the context is that the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to the Pharisees, and he's talking to them about the ministry of John the Baptist, who is now deceased. And he says to them, repentance is the prerequisite for saving faith. Repentance is essential, listen to me now, because it's the prerequisite for faith. You don't have faith until there's repentance. Repentance precedes saving faith. I'm saying it in every way that I know how to say it. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 32. John came unto you in the way of righteousness, preaching the righteousness. You believed him not, but the publicans and the harlots, the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And you, when you had seen it, speaking to the Pharisees, religious leaders, he said, you repented not afterward that you might believe. You did not repent after you saw the works of John in order to believe. You didn't repent that you might believe. Repentance is a prerequisite. You see, that change of mind and thinking and purpose is what opens the door for faith to be possible in a person's life. And so Paul the Apostle is riding up the Damascus Road, and suddenly there's Jesus. He has authority, documents in his pocket to imprison the Christians up in Damascus. And he meets Jesus Christ, and what happens? A change of mind. A change of mind. This Jesus that he has been persecuting now, he's not persecuting him anymore. He's changed his mind completely, and he trusts him. In fact, before he leaves that scene, he calls him Lord of his life. There's Nicodemus that I've already described that Jesus came and visited at night, well-versed in the law, a leading religious authority. Jesus never used the word repent, but he demanded repentance, the change of mind. You've been looking for the Messiah over here. Well, I am he, and you change your mind. And we know that Nicodemus did because he helped at the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the next chapter, there's the woman at the well. And she had her own religion. She said, we worship God over at Mount Gerizim. She changed her mind, and she came to Jesus Christ. There was Zacchaeus who climbed the tree. He was a crook, a crooked tax collector. You remember the story. But he met Jesus at his home after that occasion, and he came to know Jesus. Jesus said to him, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And Zacchaeus said, well, I'm one of those. And he turned. He repented. He changed his mind, and he received Christ as his Savior. Repentance always precedes faith. It always comes first. Jesus came preaching what? Mark 1.15, repent and believe the gospel. Now, let me say it like this, and maybe this will help you remember so repentance and faith are really two sides of the same coin. Repentance and faith are 
two sides of the same coin. But the Bible doesn't always mention repentance because repentance is the change of attitude that takes you to the cross. Repentance doesn't save you. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sins. I hope I've clarified it because I know there's confusion about it. Turn with me. I said the last time, this is the last time I'm going to have you turn, didn't I? Listen, I was wrong. I don't say that very often, but I was wrong. And I want you to turn one more time, and I want you to go to Acts 16. It's a wonderful story of the Philippian jailer. And you remember Paul and Silas were preaching, and people were being saved, and great things were happening, and they were arrested for preaching the gospel. Acts chapter 16 in your Bible. And they were beaten, and their feet were put into the stocks. And they were singing praises to God at midnight, even after being persecuted like that. And suddenly the Lord intervened. There was a big earthquake. The jail fell apart, and the prisoners were escaping. And because under Roman law, if a jailer allowed the prisoner to escape, he had to pay himself. And so the jailer, who had beaten them and locked them down, came. And he said to Paul, look in verse number 30. Oh, Paul, he called for a light, and he sprang in, and he came trembling and fell down before them, and he said, what must I do to be saved? There's an earthquake shaking the ground. Paul didn't have time for a 40-minute sermon. Paul immediately told him this quickest, simplest, plainest prayer and method of salvation in the Bible. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be S-A-V-E-D, saved, and thy house. He didn't even mention repentance. If repentance is so essential, why didn't he mention it? Listen, he'd already repented. He didn't have to mention it. He'd already changed his mind. He had already decided this man is speaking the truth, and I was wrong for what I did to him, and he's going to give me the way to heaven. And the way to heaven is what? Trust, faith, believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.